Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Mike, on from Cornerstone, and we're going to talk about the Talent Health Index. They've created a new product, a new bit, and they're always innovating at Cornerstone. I've known Mike forever, and I absolutely love him. So this is going to be a fun bit. Buckle up, and let's have fun. Mike, would you do a favor? Because your title sometimes changes, and I can't keep track of it. So tell the audience, introduce yourself, and tell them what you do at Cornerstone, and then tell us a little bit about what Talent Health Index is. Mike Bollinger, Global VP of Strategic Initiatives, which sometimes means that I do stuff, but (laughs) in a variety of different ways. And at Cornerstone now, I've had a couple of uh, different roles. I founded our advisory services group and so on. I also founded the Cornerstone People Research Lab, which is what we're going to talk about today with the Talent Health Index. And then I also work in a capacity for our chief product officer on strategic parts of the Cornerstone portfolio, primarily skills and end-to-end experience and those kinds of things. The Talent Health Index. When we founded the Cornerstone People Research Lab in 2020, we fielded some very specific findings around just skills in particular, and it was both an employee and an employer perspective. And what we found, and it was global, over 1,500 employees, over 800 employers. And what we found was something we called the skills confidence gap. And I think you and I have talked Mm -hmm. about that already which was a statistically significant difference in perception between the employee and the employer in terms of the investment that they were trying to make and the ability of the employee to consume that investment. In 2022, we repeated that research and added an additional dimension, the high-performing organization, which was 16 different kinds of dimensions around not just HR kinds of things, but profitability and customer satisfaction and those kinds of things as well. So 16 dimensions. And that confidence gap persisted. So as we got ready to field this year's research, one of the things that I'd always asked as we did the research was, what goes into it? What are the trends? What are the techniques? What are the things that we know? And we knew from the research that uh, high-performing organizations did several things well, laggard organizations did not do them. But what we did was we built our own maturity model, um, like a classic maturity model. But in most maturity models, there's not individual diagnostic around dimensions. And so what we did with the Talent Health Index is we built the index on an overall maturity model, everything from foundational to transformative, but then we took it into seven additional dimensions of a healthy talent program, everything from culture to skills strategy to learning and development to reporting and mobility and those kinds of things. So the notion of this then is that we did this globally again with over 1,400 employees, over 700 employers, but we also are making it available to the, to the HR tech community so that you can take it for yourself and get your own analysis. And does it ultimately give you a score? It uh, does. Right, tell us a little bit about that. So the score itself is an overall score of the individual dimensions. So that overall score is related to the overall maturity model. What was really interesting was we found that 
as you do any kind of research, everything falls on a bell curve, right? What is my average? What are my deviations? And we found that the global talent health index average fell in the administrative and it's four levels, foundational, administrative, sophisticated, and transformative. But when it came to the high performers, they were 25% higher than the laggards and 11% higher than the average organizations. But overall, only 2% landed at the transformative level, which is a perfect score. Right. So that's at the overall level. But then in the individual dimensions, there are individual placements as well. And the whole point of the Talent Health Index is not just the overall score, but using the dimensions to diagnose where to go next. So if, I, if I'm seeing it correctly in my head, it's a heat map of where you're doing things well and where the gap, where things are, are not being done well, does it provide any action layer or is that kind of something to be determined where it's okay, now you have a problem in this area, uh, a particular area of learning and development. Now, how do you solve it? it? Yes, the answer is yes. There are some suggestions around that, but two things that I'd call out there, maybe nuances. And one of those is it's not us doing that. It's the individual organization. Right which is a good thing. It's not 100% when you stand there. The other thing is not only is it I'm maybe here are areas where I can improve, but also here are areas of my strengths. So it gives me directionally things to think about in that regard. I can see consulting firms using this to help them guide what to help a company get better. Again, they, they need to have a baseline and understand where the company is currently and then be able to, okay, guiding them towards transformative. Because again, you might not ever get to transformative, but at least- Most do not, yeah. Yeah, but at least you should have a clear path, like an idea of what is transformative and how to get there. Exactly. And as I, when I built this index late last year, I had that in the back of my mind. How do you create a conversation internally or externally around here are things that I could be doing next? Yes, Absolutely. The obviously with more people taking it and getting more people to, you can aggregate the data or you can start looking at baselines for size of company, industries, geography, because it's global. You can start looking at some of the things to see where things are similar or different based on, again, it's a 5,000 person healthcare company in Tampa. Okay. Is that similar or different to a 5,000 healthcare facility in San Diego? Agreed. And that's one of the reasons, obviously, the old the old joke, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. Obviously, as you take this survey, we're anonymizing data, but we're capturing it as we build out. We've got this baseline that we can explore. But some of the interesting parts of that research also are where what are high-performing organizations doing well and how do the employees feel about that? So those are other interesting areas to explore. I'll give one quick example, which is When we looked at the high-performing organizations, one of the questions that we asked is, are you making an investment and how, what kind of investment and how soon? And the high-performing organizations said, yeah, 91% of them said, I'm already started or I'm doing it this year. Laggards was 51%. Those are important call-outs as well. If not now, do you feel Cornerstone proper using the Town Health Index for itself not just its clients and things like that, but for it to use it itself to find out where 
y'all are doing well and where you need to, you're a big company too. So you're going to need to, (laughs) are you eating your own garbage, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Drinking your own champagne using the better way of phrasing it. Yes. There you go. Because it's Bollinger champagne, right? (laughs) No, the answer is yes. We think of our HR organization and what we do at Cornerstone in some ways as customer zero. And so absolutely, as I did this, the first thing that Karina said from our HR organization is we want to do it too. And they're going to use it as an input to some of their future planning. Absolutely. So where do, when they, when people get the, when they, obviously they test out, they do the talent health index, where do they start? Like what's the kind of some of the basic things that they might, when they get their scores and they look back at their scores, (laughs) I would assume there's a little bit of shock and awe, or maybe they know that they have these problems and maybe there is less shock and awe, but like, where do you advise them to start in terms of, okay, you know what, Rome wasn't building a day. You're going to undo some of these things in a day. Let's start with some quick wins. Here's some so, things that, that you that's should a really And a really awesome question. And one of the things to, to recognize is based on the index, obviously, and the dimension, right. it's going to be a little different by organization. But there are some big key takeaways. One of those is the notion of a skill strategy. High-performing organizations scored very high in that particular regard. And then even more interesting was the, the content strategy in line with that, that they were connected. That's one. A second thing to think about is that it's not just one thing. High-performing organizations have a tendency over the laggards, significant tendency to do many things. In other words, to recognize that you're not just pulling one lever, but it's an overall lever. And that's reflected in uh, the fact that 96% of the employees in a high-performing organization had confidence that the organization was developing them. So that confidence gap was literally statistically insignificant, as well as they believed that their organization had their back. They believed their employer cared about them and were able to communicate them. That's the second thing. The third thing is that high-performing organizations, again, high difference between those and laggards, allowed for gig assignments. And when I say gig assignments, I just mean internal kinds of exploratory kinds of things, something we do at Cornerstone, as an example, as part of the overall remit. So they allowed for some of that exploratory kind of of an approach, whereas laggards didn't even have it on their radar screen. And then the last thing that I'll say, and it's a piece of research also in our talent mobility, but one of the things that we found was that um, employees wanted to explore with the technology first, tier zero, before they entered into a conversation with their manager about what they were going to do next. And we found that as a unique proposition to um, helping uh, leaders, managers in particular, who have an awful lot of work on their shoulders, and it has a tendency to eliminate talent hoarding. Last thing I'll say is that there were two things where everybody had a room to improve. One of them was this culture of complete support for employees. That's an area where everybody should invest, not just on their development, but for their support because of all the things that we've all had to go through. And the other one, which is really interesting, is now I'm not talking Gen AI here, but um, (laughs) AI and machine learning, only 51% of high-performing organizations are using it and leveraging it, not just using it, leveraging it for very specific use cases. So an opportunity is there for everybody. So 
we're both of a certain age and <laughs> men of a certain age should get certain tests, right? Let's just say uh, colonoscopy being being one of those to set tests, right? You would pick colonoscopy. It's, I'm dark like that. So there's guys you and I know that don't get, they don't, they haven't gotten one and they won't get one. And so what I, the question is why I know a lot of HR leaders like yourself, we run in some of the same circles. I can see some HR leaders not wanting to know. Like I do. If I, if I just don't ask the questions, then I can say I really don't know the answers. So how do we get them to overcome that and go, it's better to know where your deficiencies are so that you can fix them? Let's fix all of them at once. What I really like, and, and it's a good question, and one of those is I always think about it around the what's in it for me part, mm. right? And if I'm an HR leader, I'm looking for, obviously, areas of disagreement within my org. Those are potential areas of improvement. But I'm also looking for the commonality and where we're where we are in agreement, and I want to leverage that. The opportunity for me to identify those things where I think I'm doing well and double down on those, and then to be able to understand areas where I might be able to improve and work through that with my staff, I think is a very significant way for somebody who might not necessarily want to have their colonoscopy, they could start with some initial findings where, yeah, there's a few, we're going to go dark here, William. There's a few polyps, but they're not as bad as you think. That's right. That's right. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because you now know once quick wins, I like the way that you put it in them towards or put it in their court and say, Hey, listen, you can actually be the hero here. Yeah. Let's not get blindsided by these things because they're happening with you or without you. So, may as well have an idea of what's going on and then be able to adjust. Uh, I love, actually, that's just really smart. And it's, I think there's less barrier for them to feel like a, a, a there's an affront. I don't want you to know how things are, how bad things are at our company. So a, we're not in the business of judgment. B, it's bad at every company. So let's just get through that. And C, you need to know so that you can do some of the quick things so that you can be the hero that you are. Agreed. And remember, only 2% of the organizations globally found themselves transformative. Everybody's got room for improvement. Oh, yeah. And I would assume of those 2%, that's at a moment in time. I I would agree. Fast forward six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months, et cetera, things change. They might not be as transformative as they once were. This all kind of gets me to this idea of talent as a, a competitive advantage. And, and this is a C-suite, and, and, and you and I have talked about this in the past in, in different ways, is, okay, we talk to HR, we talk to uh, the talent uh, and development people, learning development folks, we talk to uh, recruiting, and at a certain point, they tap out because the conversation is, it is a much more significant conversation, or should be, I should rephrase that, it should be a more significant com- conversation for the board and the C-suite to think of talent like product or services as a competitive advantage. And so what I like about this, what I like about what you are doing is you're giving them insight into where they are and then how to adjust, how to fix all of those types of good things. But also if those 2% that are transformative, they are absolutely in my mind, I don't have the empirical data to, to prove this, but in my mind, they're thinking about talent as a competitive advantage. 
Oh, absolutely. And the employee sentiment on those organizations, and we anonymize, so I can't tell you which organizations, but the 2% are are high-performing. The employees in the high-performing organizations are in violent agreement and clearly aligned with some of the employee data we have. So if you think about what you do with talent as a competitive advantage, think about where it impedes the commitments that you're making to your board or impedes the commitments if you're public that you're making to the street. So it's not just a competitive advantage. It's also an enabler for the business outcomes that you're looking for. And you know me, William, that's like the second love of my life in terms of talking business outcomes. But to me, this is a way to indicate to yourselves that you are making progress and to speak to those outcomes particularly when it comes to the investment component in this research. Right. So let's go back to once they've done this, they now have some insight and also some action. And there's an action layer. Where does the data need to feed? So uh, I'm always curious about, okay, we do something here, then we learn something, which is great, but how does that inform other decisions and other systems? So... How does it inform succession or performance or comp? Or like I could go through the list, all of your products, actually. We could just go down the list, but it's I can see this informing different systems or different areas of the companies in different ways. I think there's a couple of things in there. One of those is clear. there's a clear line between what's going on in skills and the skills-based succession planning right. and the skills-based workforce planning that's going to come with that. That's one. The second thing is there was a very clear call to action inside the research that said high-performing organizations saw a doubling down as an investment on on insights and analytics as their next big round of investments. And I think about that from a have-want-need perspective, if you're thinking transformation. They're focused on how do I get around the what do I have? Visibility is key here. You can use these, these outcomes to think about those kinds of investments. And I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about the processes and being able to feed back to the organization. So uh, some buy-side questions just for for a couple of moments. Mm -hmm. When you and the team show uh, Talent Health Index to somebody for the first time, what do you, what's your favorite part? Like you're, you just can't wait to get to this place and show them this bit. And what are they, what's that aha moment for them when they see it and for the first time and they're like, oh, okay. The world just changed. Got it. I think a couple of things. One of those is the employee sentiment that's so clearly aligned from the skills gap perspective. Now come out of the talent health index for a minute on the confidence gap. The clear alignment between high-performing organizations, and and I'll I'll give you some quick numbers. In the confidence gap, the question is really pretty straightforward, which is, how do I feel confident in the ability to develop my employee skills? And the uh, countervailing question to the employees, I feel confident in my employer's ability to develop my skills. So that gap is 29%. But the confidence in both those cohorts, even though the gap has remained relatively uh, significant and clean across three years, it's just very consistent. The cohorts themselves drop little by little every year, indicating to me a little bit of fatigue. Even more important is in the laggard organizations, the confidence of the employers is actually 
less, the gap is a little bit smaller, but it's only half of the employers feel like they can do it. This notion of high performers being clearly aligned with their employees, one, two, that this confidence gap is not only persistent, but the cohorts are shrinking, indicating that we need to be better about communicating the what's in it for me. And then three, that the laggard organizations who, by the way, aren't investing in the next three to five years, we know that from the other piece of the research, have no confidence in their abilities at all. So that was one really interesting finding for me. As you, as one you, other. Go yeah, ahead. No, go ahead. no, no, finish your thought. Then there was one other where the employees are saying the UK's results were really interesting in that regard. The employees were saying several things were important to them around learning and around development and around the content and so on, solutions kinds of things. But the employers in that particular region, and this is a region by region phenomena, had not made those investments at the level that the employees were asking for it. So again, there's very, what I really liked about this, that particular point was it confirmed what we've been finding all along. It's a great report and it's, and over the last three years globally, it's gotten some very, very good statistically significant and confirmation that the model works. As you mentioned communications, I think of, okay, once they've done this, they're going to learn some things. How do they communicate internally? Is that, does that go over to kind of employee communications? Is it something that HR takes on and communicates some of the findings? Because again, it's the insights there. Now, how do you get how do you get people to understand what they've got? Where the, a roadmap and a plan and all that other stuff? Like, what are you seeing the transformative firms doing in terms of they're doing this well and communicating internally? Have you ever read Crossing the Chasm? Yeah, of course. I should have written the darn book because I invented Bollinger's twenty twenty forty twenty rule of adoption before the book came out. <laughs> the first twenty percent. They're the high, they're the high performers, they're the achievers, they're early adopters, they're all over it. The next 20%, they're very competitive and they don't want the first 20% to get ahead of them. The next 40%, eh, that's the way the world's going. We'll do it too. And it makes sense. And the last 20%, they're never going there. Just accept that. So the trick is get that first 20%, celebrate them. And often they exist within business units or within particular teams celebrate them, celebrate them publicly, celebrate their leaders publicly, and let the snowball take effect from there. Love it. Okay, last question, which is a question about questions. What if they've never bought something like this, or they've never been down this path, let's say, what are the questions they should be asking of Cornerstone? When Cornerstone reaches out and says, hey, we have this thing, blah, blah, blah. What are the things that if you could script it, the questions that they should be asking of your team? I think they should be coming first with, I have a pain. Because mm. just you and I both know, and, and I'm Cornerstone will probably fire me for this. I'm teasing. <laughs> but technology for technology's sake is just technology for technology's sake. Right. So why are you calling that individual? Be very specific in the why you're calling first off. And then expect Cornerstone to say to you, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And how does that move the needle on your business? That's the first thing. Or organization, should you not be in a for-profit endeavor? The second thing that you should ask Cornerstone is, where do you see very specific advantages 
in the organizations that are using you from a process perspective. Talk to me about some of the significant use cases that you're seeing. That's the second one. And then the third one is really related to the relationship that you want to have with your, with your supplier. There's an old joke, vendors sell hot dogs, suppliers are partners. So ask the cornerstone people how they will engage. What is the customer engagement process? It's not just about the software that you acquire, but it's right. about the software and the relationship from there. If you come prepared and you ask those two questions, you should get yield some very interesting answers that directionally give you the opportunity to go further. I could also see people that are either new to the organization, so a new CHRO at Company X, or I can't say Company X anymore because it's, anyhow, Acme Corporation. I can see someone new or even someone that's stumped. Maybe they've been there for a while and they're just stymied or stumped, not knowing where to start and not even knowing where they have the problem. Like I could see, especially in, the, in that new position, you just take over Acme Corporation as CHRO. You're like, I have no idea. I have no idea even where the problems are. I can see them using this as a way of trying to figure out where they should focus their energy. That was its intent. Absolutely. Yeah. And give yourself a break too. It takes a little time to understand. So use this as a directional compass and go from there as you dig in deeper. Absolutely. Drops Mike, walks off stage. Mike, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, carving out time for the audience. I absolutely appreciate it. I'll see you at... I know. I know. I know. It's a right around the corner. Man. Thanks for everyone listening, by the way. And until next time. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com. 